You are listening to She Rises, a podcast dedicated to women who are ready to stop settling and start living their lives by design. If you're ready to talk about the stuff that weighs you down and get practical advice on everything from your health, body image, spirituality, relationships, and personal growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Giovanna Capoza, your host, master coach, spiritual teacher, and mind-body expert, and I'm on a mission to unsettle women all over the world. Are you ready to rise? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of She Rises. I am your host, Giovanna Capoza. Welcome back. I'm here today with Jody Flynn. She is the founder of Women Taking the Lead, a podcast and community of ambitious entrepreneurial women who want to go big. She works with type A women who are already successful but have not yet achieved the level of success they want to achieve. Jody helps her clients to see how extraordinary they are and then set priorities, get organized in action so they can achieve their biggest goals with ease. She became an Amazon best-selling author with the release of her book, A accomplished how to go from dreaming to doing. And I have to tell you guys, I am a fan of Jody. You'll see from this conversation that we just hit it off right away. Jody feels like a sister from another mister, as they would say. And we really dive deep into what it means for a woman to step into leadership, both within her own life, within her organization, or even her own company, and what it is that holds us back from doing that. We get into some uh, nitty gritty stuff here and get a little vulnerable as well. And I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and this interview with Jody Flynn. And if you do, please share it with a friend and come on over to the show notes at SheRisesPodcast.com and leave any questions or comments that you have for Jody or myself. You can also join us in Facebook at the She Rises Tribe Facebook group, where we can also continue the conversation and have a little more fun with this topic. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I want to welcome Jody to the show. Jody, I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah, Giovanna, thank you for having me. I'm so excited and I'm so excited to be hanging out with your audience as well. So thank yeah. you all for joining us. I, I'm excited too, because I mean, we, we've spoken a couple of times. I was just recently on, on your podcast and we just have the best conversations. So I was really yeah. looking forward to this and really just looking forward to learning more about you with my audience, you know, and, and diving a little bit deeper. Um, you have a beautiful uh, website and calling, I want to call it a calling, called Women Taking the Lead. And I want to get into that today. I want to get into what your stance on leadership is and what your views are on that. And then just talk about women and talk about your story, because I really believe that everyone listening has a story and we could all relate when we're hearing each other's story. So... I would love to start off with whatever your She Rises story is. We talked about this just before I hit record, and I believe that every woman has this story, and and most of us have several, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) As you're asking the question, it's like, okay, which one? But there (laughs) there was one that really was pivotal in my life, and of course it spanned years probably, you know, culminating in like a big crescendo, but... I was actually like dialoguing with someone on LinkedIn today because I had shared an article that talked about how, you know, you really can take your insecurities and make them work for you. In fact, most successful people have done that. And I would say that's true for me as well, where 
as a child, I was incredibly shy. I was so full of self-doubt. I always felt like, you know, at home I was fine because that was my family and I was comfortable with them. And, you know, so it didn't matter. But as soon as I like left the house, you know, went out the front door, it's almost like I became a different person. I was so shut down and so unsure of myself and held myself back in a lot of different areas. You know, and I tell the story, it was this extreme. I trained myself to breathe silently so that I wouldn't attract attention to myself. Wow. That's, that's how shy I was, right? Like sitting in the back seat of a friend's car, I would startle people sitting in the front seat because if I said something because they forgot I was there, I was so quiet, right? So that's the level of shyness that I experienced as a child. But I had some experiences growing up, like to make a long story short, like like a, a friendship that was like my security blanket. Right. And so this person would protect me from the outside world. And it just got to a point where this friend's like, all right, I think you need to leave the nest. I think you need to, you know, kind of like make your own way. And it was devastating for me. It felt like a betrayal for me. And it was very hard to deal with. But looking back, it was the best thing that could ever happen to me because it did cause me to have to like reach out to other people and form friendships and realize that people did want to hear what I have to say. And they did enjoy my company and they did, you know, value my perspective and my ideas. And it was so, so eye opening. And isn't it so funny that a lot of the work I'm doing in my business is helping other women realize how amazing they already are. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So totally taking my own insecurities and making them work for me, because the more I learn about this for myself, the more I have to share with other people. Absolutely. You know, I was listening to your story and I think a lot of us can resonate with that. And I I just, I'm thinking of like one of the first sentences in the book I'm writing, which says, I was a fearful child. You know, (laughs) like I just, it resonates with me so much. And then, yeah, you fast forward into, you know, what we're passionate about helping others with. And of course, you know, like I have a mentor that always reminds me, you know, we teach what we most need to learn or where we've what we've already learned. So let's just dive right in there. Let's dive right in with what you see um, with the women you work with. Like what's the Mm -hmm. common denominator that you feel holds women back from taking the lead? Yeah, I'll say that the women um, who hire me for coaching, they're already successful, right? They like the people around them are saying to them like, wow, you've got it going on. You're doing so great. You must be so proud, so excited. But for her in her own head, she's like, "Mm -mm, I am not there yet. I like they think I'm successful. I don't feel successful. And in fact, nearly all of them, when they start working with me, it's because, yes, on on paper, they are successful, but they had to work so hard to get there. And now they're working even harder to sustain it. And they want to get to that next place, but they can't fathom how they're possibly going to get there. Or they're fearful that their business is going to completely like take away their ability to have a personal life because it's requiring more and more from them. And typically, you know, what we're getting at the heart of, though it takes many roads to get there, is letting go of perfectionism, 
letting go of control, like realizing that what they bring to the table is highly valuable. And so they don't have to work so hard to wow people. And so it's usually a combination of, you know, several things that once we get to the heart of all of a sudden they realize they don't have to work so hard and they can delegate and outsource so that they can focus on the work that that is within their own zone of genius, the work that doesn't take a lot from them that they really enjoy doing. And then what happens is their business then boom, goes right to the next level and they can sustain it because their mindset has changed around all of those things that were holding them back before. Yeah. I mean, I saw this vision of like, you know, I sometimes, I many times feel like this myself, you know, it's that woman with all these spinning plates, right? Mm -hmm. Like that circus (laughs) with all these plates spinning. (laughs) And there is this belief that we have to actually be spinning all the plates, that we have to be doing it all. And I love that you brought up control and how literally learning the skill of surrender and releasing some control is actually the thing that propels you forward. Can you talk specifically about that? And maybe if you have an example Yeah, absolutely. I had a woman I was working with where when she first reached out to me and we had a conversation about potentially working together, she had stated, I either need to sell my business or bring on a partner. And I've had a partner before and that didn't really work for me. So I'm not excited about that idea. Right. And she was very like, these are my options. This is all. And oh man, like I, like my heart went out to her because I was just like, wow, to live in this world where neither option feels good, you can't get out of bed excited in the morning when these are the decisions you're faced with. And I said to her, I go, well, let's start working together and we'll figure it out. Like, you know, going through my process, you'll soon realize which option is the best for you, or maybe there's something else out there. And sure enough, like between like the halfway, cause I work in packages with my clients when I first start working with them. And about the halfway to the 75% mark towards there, she had an aha just from the work, just from stripping away like some of these old notions of who she is and who the people around her are and what's possible. She says to me on one of her calls, she goes, you know, Jody, I think I'm in the way. She had this. <laughs> she and you had were this, like, Eureka. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, because we did talk about like, okay, what should you be focusing on as the business owner, right? So, of course, vision, hiring, the higher level stuff, like where are we going? And I should also be taking a vacation. I can't remember the last time I took a vacation. And she had this whole team of people who were working for her, but she was in on every meeting. They were coming into her office. Is this okay? Is that okay? What do you think about? this? What do you think about that? They were constantly looking to her for approval and to have that aha moment, like, oh my God, I think the problem is I'm in the way they, and cause there was a, she had to go away for a short period of time. So we like talked about setting her team up for success and telling them like she trusted them because she did for the most part. She's like, they're smart people. I hired them for a reason. And so she reinforced that with with them and told them how much she believed in them and trusted them and they were going to do great. And she came back and the end result was what they had produced while she was away was better than what they had been producing with her in the office. Right. And it was so (laughs) such a beautiful moment. And I kind of joke with her. I was like, well, now you have more time to hire 
take a vacation and do the visioning for your business, right? It was like, she didn't have to sell the business because it was too much of a burden anymore. She didn't have to bring on a partner to share the work. She had the team already in place and everything she needed was already there. All she had to do was change her perspective on how she was relating to it all. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic example of the the leader, the owner becoming the bottleneck in their own business, right? Like right. everything kind of just blocks up there. So right. is that, would you say that for, in particular for women in leadership, would you say that that is sort of the biggest barrier for them? Or is there something else that you repeatedly witness and see with women taking the lead? Well, I would say that can definitely be common. Another thing I see that's in common is the perfectionism. And with perfectionism, there's also hiding, mm-hmm. right? We we can't ask for help if we're trying to hide what's going wrong, right? Or what's not working. It's very vulnerable to share with somebody, hey, my business isn't doing very well. Or, you know, and, and for a lot of these women, it's a shame thing, right? They believe there's something wrong with them. And that's the reason why the business isn't going well or they're white knuckling it, tolerating it. You know, they don't want to ask for help because they never have in the past or very rarely in the past have asked for help because of what it means for them. So they try to white knuckle their way, work harder and hope that things will get better soon. Right. When the solution is to find somebody, an expert who can help you in your business, you know, or even a trusted mentor or friend, a coach is great, that you can talk through some of these things and it can give you a different perspective. But the problem is, is because we're hiding, because we're trying to be, you know, have this perfect persona that we present to the outside world, we end up just suffering by ourselves and it keeps us trapped and exhausted. And I would say that's the big common one I see for women in business. I would have to agree. And just as you were saying that, I was getting goosebumps all over. I was going to joke and be like, I never do that, Jody. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I never, I'm not a perfectionist. But it brought up something really interesting for me. Like just the other day, I decided that I was going to take up something creative and, and, and start painting among other things. And I'm getting more into my creativity vibe lately. And I I sat in front of this canvas that I had already kind of, you know, prepped the night before with something. And I sat in front of it and I literally got this like tiny, didn't last for very long, but it it was this tiny little twinge of panic. And it was like, what if I get it wrong? Like, what if I do it wrong? And then of course, you know, the next voice that came in was it's art, like just play, like just have fun with it. You're not going to get it wrong. But it really like it really slowed me down and it was so indicative of what you just called out and what you just spoke of, which is this perfectionist thing. Like, what if I get it wrong? What if I don't do it right? Or or like the shame piece of like, what if they find out that I, you know, I don't have my shit together, like and I don't know how to do this. Right. And that is, it's such a huge, huge barrier. And that just asking for help is such a big deal. Yeah. And we all go through it, right? I go through this too. There are moments when I notice there are some things not working in my business, but I'm like, "Mm, who would I tell? Right. You know, like, and I'm a business coach on top of all of it. Like what if people find out I'm struggling my business, like the shame, the shame of it all. Right. And that can keep us, you know, from really solving the problem quickly. Really. I mean, I have some things in my business. I'm working with a digital strategist right now. I'm like, I probably should have hired you a year or two ago. What was I thinking? 
saying, right? But it was like, no, I'll figure it out. I'll read a blog post or I'll just, you know, things will have to change on their own. And, you know, and one of the things I offer my clients is, especially in businesses, you know, there you, you can't relate to mistakes and failure, like the end of the world, or like they represent who you are. Because in business, like things are going to go wrong. Like not everything's going to work out perfectly. You need to approach your business more like a scientist. Like think about what you're doing as an experiment, you know, and if it doesn't go right, it was a great learning opportunity. And now you can set up the next experiment. Whereas with some of my clients, they were like, well, what if I do this and it fails? Like, so they wouldn't try Mm. because they were afraid of failure. I'm like, well, then you will have learned what didn't work. And then we can go from there. And like once they took on like, oh, this is an experiment. It's not success or failure. It's an experiment that had one result or had another. I'm like, yes, that's it. That's all it is. They were like, okay, I can do this. But it's just the mentality. That's a super powerful point because we'll use our so-called failures as definitions of ourself instead of information. And I'm like, I'm at fault for this so much too, right? It's like, oh, this failed. So then we equate that I'm a failure. Yeah. Right? I suck. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we use so much of this external world. And, and like you said, this experimentation with business, I see this happening as well with my clients that it becomes a definition of who you are then as a woman or who you are then as an entrepreneur because this thing failed, but it's, it's just information, right? Right. And it's information you can do something with. The thing is, is like, I love Brene Brown and I, I love how um, Rising Strong started with the quote of the man in the arena, the Theodore Roosevelt quote, right? Mm-hmm. If you're sitting in the stands, you are getting no information. You cannot make any changes that will be worthwhile for you because you're afraid to get into the arena, but it's when you're in the arena and you're, you know, you're in the struggle, right? The struggle is real when you're in the arena, but you're learning so much and you can pivot from it, right? A lot of times I look at who's really making it, right? Who's really successful. They're the ones who didn't hold themselves back because they, they were perfectionists, Right. Mm. They they just went for it. Now, here's the thing, too, because I know probably a lot of people listening who are identifying with perfectionism. I don't want to say that that that's wrong. Like, don't be a perfectionist. Blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. Here's another thing to go for, because typically people who are perfectionists also have a core value of excellence. Right. Strive for some excellence, not for perfection. I like when I'm going about my projects, my work, especially when it's the first run through. Right. Say so, for example, I'm doing a presentation soon for an organization and it's going to like they asked me to do a new topic that I'm familiar with and I'm comfortable with, but I've never done a slideshow or a presentation on this topic before. Right. So it it's the first time I'm going to be delivering this particular presentation. I want to wow the crowd. I do, but I'm going for excellence and not for perfection. There will be a part of me at some point that will go, that's good enough. Stop practicing, stop tweaking, you know, stop going crazy and just relax and deliver it. That is something you can work with. Perfectionism will keep you in the stands watching other people being successful. That's a great distinction. Yeah. Perfection or uh, excellence over perfectionism, because 
with perfectionism, there's almost this inherent, like, you're never going to get it right. Right. <laughs> like, you won't. Just, you won't. Because it's just, it's reinforcing that, that not good enough thing. Right. And, and this is where I want to go next is I, I want to talk about this not good enough thing, because I love that you um, work with and, and you um, attract women who are not satisfied with good enough. I totally hear that. We're mm-hmm. not satisfied with good enough. And yet there's that paradox that we don't feel good enough. And and it's infuriating. And like, I know you wrote this awesome book called Accomplish that uh, we're going to get into now, I'm sure. But can you talk about that a little bit? Because like, we're not satisfied. And it's like, this isn't enough. Like we want more, but we don't feel good enough to go get it. Right. So there is that juxtaposition, right? And what I share typically with my clients is, you know, every quality is like a coin and there's flip sides to the same coin, right? So not being good with good enough, it's neither good or bad, right or wrong. Is it working for you or is it working against you? Right. And so not being satisfied with good enough will have you striving to improve, make changes in your business. Right. Your customer experience rating is an eight out of 10. Well, you think about, well, how can we get to a nine out of 10? Right. That's admirable. I want my customers to have the best experience. So while eight is typically good enough, you know, I know I can do better. That's great. That's admirable. But when you get to the point where it's not good enough unless it's a 10 and you can't sleep at night and it's driving you crazy, right? Then it is working against you. And, you know, I did write my book for the woman who's not satisfied with good enough. And I wanted who the book was intended for to really get it right from the beginning that this book was meant for her and that what I was writing in the book was going to be helpful to her. So what does that look like for a lot of women is the people around them don't understand why they, they keep having to go for the next thing, right? They're, they're continuing to strive. Why can't you be good with good enough? Your business is fine. Why do you want to start a podcast? Right. you you know, like you can get clients locally. Why do you want to have an online presence or public speaking is fine. Why do you need to write a book? Like you're all like, why can't you just be satisfied? But for this woman, she has a vision of her life that is bigger than what it is right now. And I don't mean like she has to have fame or glory or it's not good enough, although it's there's nothing wrong with wanting to strive those things. But typically what I find for myself, I know for you and for the other women that we attract into our communities, we want to change the world. So how can we possibly be satisfied with just doing local speaking engagements when we could speak at a conference or we could do a webinar that's going to be broadcast to thousands of people around the world? So there is always this striving, but you have to recognize is this quality of mine of always striving and wanting to, you know, go for more? Is it working for me and in alignment with my mission or is it working against me? I love the way you broke that down because what I heard in that was if not good enough is coming from a healthy place of literally wanting to be better and wanting to do more, then that's one distinction. If it's coming from Mm -hmm. another place of I'm not good enough, I need to do this to prove this to myself, I need to be a 10 out of 10 so that when I get there, then it means I made it, then Mm -hmm. that's the toxic side of not good enough. And I love the way you broke that down into both polarities of that statement. 
Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'd also say, is it in alignment with your mission? For me, mm-hmm. the customer experience, yeah, that's in complete alignment with my mission. So do I want to do more and get better at making sure that the people who interact with me and my brand have a great experience? Yes. Knowing that, you know, there's no such thing as perfectionism, but am I killing myself, you know, to come in first place for a marathon when physically I would have to totally rearrange my life to do that. And ultimately at the end of the day, wouldn't serve my mission, my purpose, or my own personal development. Then I'm going to have to like take a step back and take a look at this. Yeah. And I, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about mission and purpose. And I, I talked to so many women and men actually who that's fuzzy for them and they don't understand how do I find that and and how do I make my life that right now feels like it's not good enough how do I make it in alignment with my mission and purpose if I don't even know what that is right this is a stumbling block for a lot of people because right and here's the thing people who are perfectionists (laughs) too (laughs) right they need to make sure they've got the perfect mission or the perfect purpose for them and also if they tend to be on the type a side which is a personality type that i have and i tend to attract into my communities there has to be a lot of work to do right? To get to the heart of it. When discovering your purpose and your mission, I mean, there's work and I want to put it in air quotes, but it usually means going within and having a heart to heart with yourself. Um, Typically, I find mission and purpose is kind of like how we opened up this call. What like what what was your rising from the ashes story for me? Like as a child, part of the interplay in my shyness and my self-doubt and all of that was I was very sensitive to living in a world, even as a very young child. And, you know, I say part of it is probably because I grew up in the Catholic Church. I was very sensitive to the fact that women tended to be treated as second class citizens, Right. We were not as important as men. We weren't as valued as men. There were like there were things that men could do that women couldn't do and things that were not available to women just because they were born women. And that was the only reason. And so the combination of those two things, right, self-doubt, insecurities and women in our place in the world and who we are, you know, and bringing our best self forward that has combined into a mission of helping women to step up as leaders and reach their highest potential and live it out into the world. That's my mission for sure. You know, but when I go back to the heart of it, right, because like mission and purpose are very similar, but usually mission tends to be very tactical. Like this is what I'm doing and the the actions I want to take and the result I want to deliver. Um, When I go back to purpose, for me, I had an epiphany when I was reading Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth. And in the very beginning of the book, he describes the evolution of of flowers in comparison to the evolution of human consciousness. And when I was reading it, like my body just like I had a visceral reaction, like I was vibrating and I felt like I was on fire. And I thought, oh my God, this is it. I'm meant to serve, to bring about the evolution in human consciousness. So my purpose is to wake people up, right? Mm -hmm. 
the mission I'm delivering, right, that has to do with women overcoming self-doubt and insecurities so they can reach their highest potential absolutely has everything to do with waking them up, right, and bringing about their higher consciousness level. However, my purpose can be applied to everyone. It's not limited to women. Like if you're a human being, you are a part of my life's purpose. However, I am focusing my mission on one particular group area um, and goal in that. Amen, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I love that. I love that. And I love that you went back to a place like you said, you have to do the deep inner work. You have to go inside for your mission and see like, what is it? What's that thing from childhood that I noticed or that didn't sit well with me? And and I have a similar story. Like for me, it's, I was, uh, my parents, I always say my parents tried really hard to raise me Catholic. They didn't work, but they tried really hard. Um, <laughs> right. You know, and I come from an Italian family and I do, my parents are like from that generation post-war, grew up in the Great Depression. And so women's roles were very specific and men's roles were very specific. And I, same thing, I grew up and I, I saw what my mom had to go through and what she had to sacrifice. And my dad too made sacrifices as well. But we're four girls in my family and that is also part of my root story. So I love that you said like, go back, go back and do the inside work to see like, what's that thing that I, you know, I get so fiery or passionate about, or that I always tell my clients, like, what's that thing that when you start talking about it can just make you cry. And usually that's your mission. Yes. And I, you know, and it brings me back to the quote, be the change you'd like to see in the world, right? That change you'd like to see, that's your mission, right? And it's tied to your purpose, right? Which you will find like it will be there. But what I say to people typically is like, follow your interests, follow where you're curious, follow the change that you would like to see. And you'll hit on it. You don't necessarily have to have it clearly articulated for you to be on your mission and living out your purpose. Yes, totally, totally. I think it was the Dalai Lama that has the quote that the world will be saved by the Western woman. Yes. And I remember when I first heard it, I thought like, well, that's really limited. Like, what does he mean by the, I mean, I just didn't really like get it. And then I, I, I sat with it and I, and I realized it's because in the places, you know, the Western world, as he called it, where we have the opportunity, where we, we have the freedom and the voice, we are the ones that can raise up the rest of the world if we step into that. Right, right. There's so much power in what we have, and most of us are not present to it. Like we don't think we can make a difference. And the reality is, <laughs> you know, when when you think about it in comparison, you, you know, to how some women are living in the world, like we have tremendous power. We just aren't present to it. And so we don't do anything with it or we misuse it. Yeah. And I want to say too, for those of you listening, you know, this doesn't necessarily look like, you know, becoming the next Oprah Winfrey, like you can be doing this at whatever level, like in your PTA, on a grassroots level, in your community, getting in touch with your mission and your purpose isn't only, like I said, if you're going to do the Oprah thing, this is for everyday women who Mm -hmm. are living their lives and you can still be a leader in wherever you are in your business, in your life at the PTA, as I said. So I want to presence that because I don't want people listening to think like, oh, well, you know, I don't have a business and I'm not a coach and, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. have a podcast, so I can't do that. And no, that's not true. 
Yeah. And to speak to that, Giovanna, I'm brought to back to another Theodore Roosevelt Roosevelt quote of, you know, do what you can where you are with what you have. Right. That will make a tremendous difference. I think about my mom who's now retired, you know, but she's involved in her church and she has her different women's groups. She brightens people's day. Right. That's who she is. She brings that energy to every interaction she has. Is she making a difference in changing the world? Yes, she is. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, and this is sometimes how we're disengaged from our power. We don't realize that doing the little things actually creates a tremendous ripple effect. You know, so even by managing ourselves and our own bad day, so we're not dumping it on somebody else, we are actually making for a better world. Yeah. Uh, 100% agree with that. I'm stuttering over my words, but I'm so excited. I 100% agree. So I want to talk about the crabs in the bucket because you mentioned before, you know, that there's going to be people around you when you're going for great, because this isn't good enough, that are going to say, what are you doing? You know, you've got this and you've got that and you've got a successful business or you've got a happy this and why, why want more? And a lot of times those crabs in the bucket can be close friends, family, they mean well. What do we do with the crabs in the bucket? Right. I was just chatting about this with a friend yesterday because this is the thing. If you are somebody who recognizes that we're all connected, what that means is if you change, the people around you have to change, right? Even if it's subtle, but most people don't like to change. And if you're going to be the greatest version of yourself, the people around you will have to shift in reaction to that. And most of them don't want to, you know, they, they feel like it's too much. They can't handle it. Right. And if you're bringing a lot of high vibe energy and they're not in a good place, they may find it hard to be around you. So rather than doing something that would be highly conscious, like, okay, I'm like, She's doing great. I can't be around this right now. So I'm going to congratulate her. But then I'm going to remove myself for a little while so I can figure out what's going on for me. Right. If they're not in a highly (laughs) conscious place, they're not going to do that. Instead, they're going to make comments or do things to try to bring you down and remind you of who you used to be to them right? Because they want you to go back. And a lot of us, we all do this. We do it unconsciously. We have all been that person for somebody else, right? We, any interaction, like there's like a triad. I can't remember all of them. There's like the victim, the hero and the perpetrator, you know, and we've all rescuer. Yeah. Yes. The rescuer. (laughs) So we've, we've all played one of those roles. So, right. So, so it's important to recognize like they are not a bad person for doing this. They're just playing their role. And for us, what we have to do is lovingly set boundaries, you know, and what's really helpful is just to recognize when it's going on, like, okay, they're threatened, right? Their ego is being threatened right now. So there, this is a survival tendency. They're not a bad person. They're just in that place right now. Have compassion for them, but also set boundaries for them. And, you know, as much as you can help them to understand what you're trying to do and what you're going for, you know, and say, I would like to have your support, but if you can't give it at this time, that's fine. But, and then set boundaries. I need you to not nitpick at me or like, tell me what's going wrong. Like, please, if you can't be supportive, 
like, let's not talk about this. Let's focus on things that you and I do agree on and know that they'll either shift because they'll have to, or they may become somebody you limit in your life. Not to be a Debbie Downer about it, but every now and again, (laughs) every now and again, somebody needs, you need to put lots of distance between you and somebody else. But I would say for most people, eventually they come around, right? You'll hear people say like, wow, I was really doubtful at first, or you seemed like you were, you know, going off the rails. But, you know, I have to say, like, I like this new you. I like, it seems to be working for you, right? Like people will come around and acknowledge that you were on the right track the whole time. They just didn't see it. Most people will. Yeah. And I love the way you presenced those two things. I mean, be aware. I have a really interesting example of this. I, years ago, Five years ago, almost the anniversary is coming. I was leaving to move to go to go to Mexico, and you know, I remember I had family and friends and everyone saying, "What are you doing? You're going to go move there by yourself. You don't know the language. You don't know anyone." And I just had this calling, and I felt called to do it. And one of the things that helped me, you know, because they weren't meaning to be crabs in the bucket. It was literally just like it was concern. It was genuine concern from family and friends. And one of the things that really helped me, and you presenced it with what you said, was I had to realize what was their fear and what was their story and what was mine. So in hearing the concerns, I was like, oh, okay, I can hear that. And I can hear how that's coming from your story and your view of the world. And that's not mine. Right. Absolutely. I remember somebody, now you reminded me, I had a friend once say, don't go to people with a nine to five job looking for business advice. Right. <laughs> right. And on the flip side, I mean, that can be a lot of things like don't go to your friend who's not living a healthy lifestyle to get advice on how to get healthy. You know, like that sort of thing. It's like just know that like people are going to offer up, su- you know, suggestions with good intentions, but through their own filter. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. And the second piece, which I love so much, is the boundary piece that you brought in. Because sometimes we think, or at least this used to be me, anyone listening can comment in the comments later and, and say, yeah, that's me too or not. But I would think, well, because they mean well, I need to listen to this. Or because you know, they're just saying it out of love. I, I need to hear it. And actually I found out, I no, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't because I actually have to love myself first. And mm-hmm. if hearing that thing is squashing your dream or putting you down or putting fear in you, then yes, you do have to make the choice to set a boundary. And I love the way you phrased it of like, basically, this is what I'm doing and I would love your support. And if you can't give it right now, I totally understand. And we should probably not talk about this. I love that. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's transparent. You know, uh, something I've been taking on lately is asking myself the question, well, what's true? What's true for me? Or what's true in this situation? When I really think about it, it's amazing how you can distill all the like, you know, all, all the like, you know, inner critic talk or rationalization or what society says, like when you really take a moment to, to say, well, what's, what is true? Like all of a sudden you can just clearly communicate to somebody else what's true for you 
And it's so powerful because you're, you're not hung up in like with the, the lead in or couching what you're saying or trying to make it more palatable. You just say what's true for you. And, you know, for me, there have been times where like, like we were just talking about, I've had to say, this is really important to me right now. Right. And it's very fragile, you know, so I would love to have your support, but if I can't have it, that's fine. But we can't talk about this. That was true for me. Mm-hmm. And they and because it was true, it energetically translated to the other person as true. They didn't sense that I was holding anything back or trying to water down the message or, or getting all complex and convoluted. It was just the truth. Right. And so they could hear it and we could have a dialogue about it. You know what I love about that? I love that question. What's true for me? I love that there's there's no defense in that and there's no needing to explain yourself to someone. It's just, this is true for me right now. Right. <laughs> it, it could change in three days. It might, there might be something else that's true, but right now this right. is true. I love yeah. that. I love What's that. to argue with? There's nothing to argue about at that point. You know, they may not be happy about it, but there's, what are they going to argue? Nothing. Mm, I love it. So many good tools and so much juice in this. So I, I have, so wrap coming into our final few minutes here. One of the things that struck me about your book title, so it's called Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing. It's the dreaming to doing part that really struck me. And I'm going to, I'm going to be really vulnerable here and transparent. I'm a dreamer. Like I'm a visionary. I come up with all these amazing ideas and it's my follow through thing that sucks. Right. And this Mm -hmm. is right. And and, you know, if you look at my Myers-Briggs and you look at all these you know, my Colby assessment and all of that. It's, they can all attest to, yes, that's, that's correct. That's, that's my thing. And I had a girlfriend of mine say to me like, well, you're either like a visionary or an implementer and you can rarely be both. Um, and you just have to own where you are. And I want to ask you, like, what would you say to that? Cause I am like now going to dive right into the depths of this with, with your book, because that attracted me, right? How do I yeah. go from being a dreamer to being a doer? Oh, that's a great question. And it can look different for everybody else. And I love that you brought up your personality as playing into this. So the book is really broken out into three different sections. The first one is the foundation and setting yourself up for success, right? So it starts with, you got to have a vision. You do, you do have to dream, you know, without the dream, where are you going? Like you have to know what you want to create and, and have, and there it's, it's very energizing and motivating. Like that's the juice, like without the juice, there's, there's no point, you know, but then it goes into making a commitment to the dream. All right. This is the dream I want to make happen. I'm doing it. I'm a hundred percent in. And then it talks about self-care, which, you know, for some people seems counterintuitive, but if you're not taking care of yourself throughout this, it's going to take you a lot longer to get there and you may not get there. Then the next section of the book is all mindset and stress and obstacles and the things that would get in our way and would hold us back from actually like staying on track, stay, you know, continuing to move forward. Oh, actually, you know what? In section two, I also want to include, cause this is important for the conversation we're going to talk about. It's the people you surround yourself with as well. They impact your energy, your vibrancy, and also your ability to keep your energy high 
and see a goal through. And then the last part is the tactical, like goal setting milestones, you know, like really breaking it down and and creating a plan if that works for you. So what could be happening for you, Giovanna? There could be a little bit of perfectionism going on, right? You're, you have the, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm really going to go out on a limb here and what say, are you talking about? <laughs> right. Cause there's the dream. And then like, what if, what happens if, like I fail and then I have to give up the dream because the dream is giving you so much energy right now. Right. So there's the fear of failure. Like what if it doesn't look like the way I want it to and all of this stuff. So there could, there's a little bit of like staying in the stands and not going down into the arena to play it out. That could be going on. And also there's nothing wrong with being a visionary, right? You just have to balance it out to have on your team doers. Yes. Totally. (laughs) That has helped. (laughs) Yes. Right. And that helps you move forward because, you know, in a lot of ways I'm with you. Like I like the high level, like where are we going? What's the vision? What's the, I can even like, I even love the, like for me, creating the plan and getting organized and milestones. Some people don't love that. I love that part. I get so energized by it. But then when it comes down to the nitty gritty and the details and, you know, like things like reading instruction manuals or, you know, finding out all the different components of what a software can do and, you know, making things integrate and play nice. I'm like, well, it's gross. Like I, I immediately become turned off (laughs) and I procrastinate and it's gross and I don't want to do it. And then I find like, I need to take more breaks because my energy is getting drained by it. But if I outsourced it, somebody else would just be like, Oh yeah, I'll have that for you in 15 minutes. I'm like, how is that even possible? Right. But that's their zone of genius. It's not mine. So it's also important to recognize what are your core values? What's your personality type? What are your strengths? I call them like, what are your superpowers? Like what you're so good at, you don't have to give any thought. And then on the flip side of that, what's your kryptonite and give your kryptonite away. Right. Because I know people get afraid, like I'm giving up control or I'm going to have to spend money. But what is your time worth mm-hmm. and your energy worth? It's not just your time and your sanity, your sanity. Yeah, <laughs> because not only will it take you two to three times longer than it would for somebody who that particular task is their zone of genius. But even after spending two to three times longer to complete it, you're now exhausted and you have to recover. Yeah. And it's so much time wasted and so much energy that could have gone somewhere else. Absolutely. On things that you're naturally good at, love to do, and probably have the greatest impact on your business. Mm-hmm. I'm getting so much better at this. I've, I've partnered with a colleague of mine and we're putting together a spiritual and, and business retreat for women in Bali next year. And she is so excited about crunching the numbers and doing the budget and all. And I, could, I just want to vomit. Like, that is not my thing. But I have like, I, every time we have a meeting, I, I laugh and I just say, you know, we have just have the best partnership because I'm the creative. I like, I like, let's set the curriculum. Let's do all that. And she just loves doing the other stuff. And I thought just good for you. Not just have at it. I didn't take it away. So I'm getting yeah. better. I'm getting better. <laughs> that is the perfect example. And then you're going to bring your genius there, mm-hmm. which, you know, here's me going out on a limb again is the interactions with the participants. Like you're going to make sure that they have this amazing, juicy experience because that's the energy you bring. Yeah, totally, totally. And she, you know, she brings that energy as well, but it's just like, there's a whole other 
talent and zone. I love that you said zone of genius, right? The, um, the gay Hendrix book, is it taking the leap? Talks mm-hmm. about the zone of genius. That's her zone of genius. And I'm getting better at that. Cause what I used to do is I used to berate myself for not being good at those things. Like I should know these things. I should this and I should, I should. I. And then I remember early on in my entrepreneurial days when someone said to me, no, like you shouldn't like there's other people and that's what their job is. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like it was this like foreign concept. Like I can do that. Like, I don't have to be good at all these pieces. Yeah. Right. I know. And there again, it can be the conundrum for women who do find themselves in business by the, you know, on their own, they're solopreneurs, or maybe they have a VA who does like a little bit of work for them. They're usually trying to take on too much and do it all. And, and then they don't have enough time to actually deliver the product or the service that they intended. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, it very much gets watered down and it's not as fun. And then they, like, you know, here's here's like my my prospective client. Like, right. She's now she's having to work really hard. She's feeling burdened like life isn't good. And now her personal time's getting eaten up because these tasks that are her kryptonite are eating up all her time and it's no fun. Yeah. So, I mean, and th- my. My book was really written for the women who were in that place where my clients typically find me, right? They're overworked, overwhelmed. They're, they, they have these big dreams for their business, but they can't seem to make it happen. And so the book goes through my coaching process. It's basically a, a do-it-yourself coaching system to help them get, break down what's getting in their way so they can start getting the results that they, they've been wanting to have in their business for the longest time. Yeah. And, and just, and I heard you say something there too, and also like start enjoying it again, because I know so many women and this happened to me, like, I think it was about three years ago where I was just like, screw this. I am throwing in the hat. Like, I just don't want to do this anymore because it's not fun. It's, this isn't why I set out on this path. And that happens too, is that you, you want to throw in the towel because it's just not what you set out to do. So yeah, I love that. Cool. Jody, I am so thrilled to have spoken to you again and had such an awesome conversation. Thank you for being on this show. I feel like I can talk to you for ages about this. I feel the same way. Every time we talk, I'm like, oh, it's so great to, to have somebody who's like a soul sister in your life and you can have these conversations with. And and I want to thank, you know, those of you who are listening for joining us. I hope this was incredibly valuable to you and reach out if there's anything that we can do for you. Absolutely. Guys, I'm so happy you joined us. For everyone listening, Jody's book again is called Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing. Her website is Women takingthelead.com. It's an amazing site. She puts out so much great content and so many resources for you. Jody. again, thank you for being on the show. I loved having you. Oh, Giovanna, this was incredibly fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in and keep rising, everyone. For books and resources related to today's episode, make sure you head over to SheRisesPodcast.com and I'll see you there. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you tune back in next week when I dive into more juicy topics to help make your life the best it can be. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to the show and you love it, head on over to iTunes and leave me a rate and review and subscribe there to the show. 